My name's uh, His Royal Majesty King Francis Kelechi Mwaneri III, the Paramount Chief of Africa, the founder of SWAF, and a one-time Dean of Ambassador to the State of African Diaspora. Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewanfo, and I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. I stand as a custodian of culture and tradition in Africa. I stand as a mediator and an advocate to several African kingdoms in coordination of the return of Africans, both the African descent and making Africa come back again. And that's what we call resuscitation, revival, and restoration of African dignity. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Uh, today we are going to be uh, looking at uh, SWAF. Uh, can you like give us a little uh, introduction of what SWAF is? What is? What did, anyway, let, let's start by understanding what it is. SWAF is Southwestern African Forum. And when I say Southwest African Forum, some people ask, is the forum only for uh, South and West? I said, no, it's not only for South and West. It is for the whole Africans. It is for the whole Africans. Uh, the reason why we shortened it SWAF, Southwest African Forum, is for the sake of registration. It becomes too long when we say South, West, uh, uh, East, North African, it becomes too, too long to pronounce. So we say SWAF, Federation, Southwestern African Forum Federation. So SWAF has come for the sake of resuscitation, as I mentioned earlier. It has come for the sake of bringing back Africa, putting them back together. It is standing for um, as an advocate or a mediator of different kingdoms. Hence, you know that in our kingdoms, we do not believe uh, other people coming from other kingdoms to intercede or intervene. But when SWAF is there as a platform, as a grant for everybody to see that the other king is not coming for the purpose of invading, their kingdom, then it becomes easy. So SWAF is there for the sake of uh, intermediary issues, advocating resuscitation, revival, and restoration of African dignity. And above all, we are pushing for um, restitution, the restitution of the stolen, looted artifacts of Africa. That's what we stand for. Okay. All right. Now, this organization, is it set up uh, as a kind of a subsidiary of the government in this region? Okay. Of course, we. Uh, you did make mention of the fact that even though this is uh, uh, South West Africa, but actually it referred to the whole of Africa. So I'm trying to understand if uh, maybe it is set up by the African government or is set up by some NGO. Uh, who, who, so that's what I'm trying to understand there. Okay, SWAF is set up by several kingdoms of Africa. 
it is a kingdom organization. It is it is it is a, an organization that is uh, established by different kings of Africa, and they are all partakers and uh, actively, not proactive, actively participating in the affairs of SWAF Federation. So SWAF also has been known as a motherland organization for the diaspora, which is singly, uh, single-handedly authorized uh, by the state minister, who his name is Judge Tim for, for uh, what do you call it? The diasporans. So he, he single-handedly approved Swell Federation as a motherland organization for the whole of the diaspora. In other words, it means that every diasporan need to identify with SWAF. And SWAF, it is a package of all African kings. As a matter of fact, I could call it the custodians of culture and tradition in Africa, the coordinator of any other uh, NGO that is standing for this purpose. All right. So it coordinate uh, culture in Africa. That is very important. Can you like um, help me understand how uh, SWAF does that? Okay, SWAF has uh, presently we have about uh, sixty-eight ambassadors all over Africa. Sixty-eight ambassadors. Each country has got its own ambassador. And each country is reporting to the Dean of Ambassadors of SWAF. And the Dean of Ambassador of SWAF is also a royalty uh, from Uyo, Nigeria. And then she happens to be the coordinator of these ambassadors I have just mentioned. Ambassadors become our arms of reaching the constituencies, becomes our arm of reaching their kingdoms. The kings of their village uh, send them or put them as representatives of their kingdom. And meanwhile, they become a royal emissary in the sense that whatever that is discussed in the board meetings are being related back to the kings of Africa. So we are disseminating information through the ambassadors easily because there is. The moment we have a meeting and say this must be done, each ambassador will make sure that it's implemented in their country, in their village, in their constituency. So SWAF gets to the, to the root of every African community. It's not just on the uh, international basis. So we use that medium to uh, reach most of the kings and say this is what we want to happen. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's how we... Yeah, 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 you, you do, you do, you do. That is, uh, in fact, uh, very important there, because if we are talking of the restoration of Africa dignity, the restoration of Africa, uh, both as a people as and also as institution, the people who can stand for themselves, and of course, also safeguard their culture, I'm trying to understand the, uh, the role that maybe language plays here. Because if you are having, having meetings, with different kings in Africa, um, which language do you use and how does the use of African languages play an important role here? Or if any, 
if anybody have ever raised such issue, because we, both of us now are talking in English, whereas there are languages in Africa, if at the end of the day, these are the only languages we speak, so I sort of find it a little bit challenging there. Help me. Okay. Uh, the languages we speak, as you know, that uh, Africa has been polluted for so long a time now, Africa has been polluted. Polluted in the sense that uh, once in a while we, we enforce Swahili. We enforce Swahili and Swahili, as you know, has been taken as number one African language as a lingua franca. But what makes it more difficult to us is that um, most African countries during the colonial rule has been colonized with their languages. So some parts are speaking French, some parts are speaking English. But we'll make sure that we use the technology at this very point in time in translating everything that was uh, discussed in English into French and French into English and Swahili. But we have established a group of Swahili teaching uh, SWA Federation right this moment. We have Swahili teaching groups from Tanzania that we have formed where we are trying to expedite the learning of uh, Swahili. Hence, the AU has approved Swahili as, as one of the central language. And it's speedily going. A whole lot of people are speaking Swahili. Like right now, a whole lot of us are also speaking Swahili. It is good for us to use Swahili because in the olden days, we have the word Tekelika, Protokwar, and Swahili. But Swahili has stood the test of time. Why Tekelika, Protokwar is no more there. But English, well, appallingly, become the, the, the lingua franca that we are using at the moment as a major uh, communication language. All right. Uh, but so, has somebody ever uh, sort of stressed the need that maybe these languages should actually become, uh, I mean, okay, uh, Swahili have already been be, um, be, be chosen as an official language. I, I understand that. Uh, but... Um, is that a language that is okay now you also make mention of english uh, french and other colonial languages the documentation that we have at the end of the day the roll call and things like that are they are they also available in swahili so that they can be documented in swahili that's what i'm trying to understand from there yes it is uh it is available in swahili because in swahili if we do that then we have a whole lot of population that are speaking it at the moment, that are using Swahili language in their countries and now that is good. And so many kingdoms are appreciating Swahili. Example myself, I love Swahili. It's a very lovely language. So it, it's uh, it, more especially what we're doing now can be translated into English and Swahili. If I should say, like right now, uh, the greetings in Swahili, uh, most of us have learned and we use it. In the morning, you say, Habari, Habari, Habariza Sambiri, Habariza Sambiri, and the person will reply you, Mzuri, Sana. 
Zurisana means I receive. When the person say good morning, which is Habariza Asumbiri. And other things that we speak, which I wouldn't want to get deeper. But I say, with this interview, I will appreciate uh, us having it in English and also in Swahili, because it's more, much more better. All right. Thank you for thank you so much for that. Uh, in terms of the collaboration um, among the different sessions in Africa, of course, in this case, I'm talking of the traditional rulers. Uh, how do you look at the, uh, the the collaboration? Actually, that is the point. Uh, are the people actually collaborating enough to be able to affect the change that is needed? Or is it difficult to sort of get the message across to the people? Yes, a uh, very good question. It is a bit difficult to get the message across. Hence, some of our fellow kings are still rooted in their archaic ways. Archaic ways, and uh, so at the same time, you see most kings not being that loose in terms of uh, liberal. They just want to remain the way the forefather has placed them and uh, become so dafty. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but they become so restricted that they don't want to uh, mix up or spread out to other kingdoms. Still looking other kingdoms as uh, maybe an invaders. But anyway, the wake of Swaf now neutralizes that amongst others, amongst all the kingdoms that are part of Swaf Federation, they understand the language when the paramount speaks, which is me. When I rise up and say, no, this and that has to be done, they know that, yes, this is official and it has to be done. Hence, the paramount has spoken. So I must say that, <laughs> excuse me, out of hundred, we have at least 70% at the moment who are responding, who are uh, committed into changing Africa and into uh, accepting the changes that have come to us and also revive and resuscitate Africa, restore our dignity. A whole lot of them are itching for it for a very long time. But I see that the fears and uh, some challenges that we have in most of our operations and communication becomes that aspect of invasion. Are they coming to invade us? Or we, if we become part, what do we benefit from this and that? And I tell most of them that, listen, it's not about benefits. It's about working together to have a formidable effort. It is about pulling our, ourselves together to bring back Africa, because Africa has faced a whole lot of humiliation. And if we keep quiet and leave it to continue the way it is, it then means that our children, children will continue to face what we have faced. There will be no solution. And when I preach such, they give a listening ear and they join Swarov Federation. So at the moment, I could tell you that we have about 70% of African citizens, African kingdoms, royalties who are part of SWAF, and they are doing things even on their way, on their way in the sense that they organize this meeting of SWAF Federation in their countries 
and then send me a report at the end of the day. And when we have our general meeting, well, our Zoom is always full. And at times we use the clubhouse. So this is what is actually going on with Swamp Federation. I am happy with the compliances. I am happy with uh, the level at which we are doing at the moment. Um, I think if we continue and if kingdoms continue like this, we will have a very good result. Yeah, we are, we're happy for that result. We are, we are going to be uh, really looking forward to that. All right, now, as a head of, as a head of SWAP, as the Paramount Chief, um, what reason did they give you as to why there might be some uh, hindrances on their part, as to why they might not like to collaborate in full? Because we don't need the 10% collaboration. We need full collaboration if we are going to be able to get to where we want to go. Because it's like you are entering uh, a machine, uh, a, a car, one is driving into this end, another one is driving into that end. Even though it might not be 50-50, it is going to be difficult for that car to get to its destination. So what justification do they give you as a reason why they might not want to collaborate? Um, as you know from the past, as kings, <clears throat> it is allowed. Most kings do not want to dumble into things for the first sight. They like to look at it, digest it, send spies, you know, dilute, and then say, okay, I have looked at this and all that in African way. And that is what made most kingdoms to even have the seers around them to investigate if what is coming to them is really justified or is really what they should get into or not. So some of them have that reserve. Uh, some of them have that reserve of saying, okay, we are still observing. We are observing to see how it goes. But then I tell them that early stitches saves money. Early stitches saves money means the earlier or the uh, sooner that they join, the better we begin to do things together because they do not expect anyone to take the first bullet for them, which is already what we are doing. We are doing that, the collaboration letters. I think we, we are doing so great. Why I say so great is that almost all the Western countries are part of SWAF. Uh, Western, I mean the Western Africa. They're all part of uh, SWAF Federation. And the south is also south. The east is there. The northern is there, but very few. So we are pulling strings to make sure that we don't have um, anyone out of this. And another problem we have is that there have been a lot of destabilization of the kingdoms. Most countries have no kingdom. I must tell you right now. Example, Burundi has no kingship. You know, um, Mauritius has no kingship and several to mention, but a few, you know, several of them in coordination, even Kenya here have no kingship. You know, it's, it's been destabilized. All they have is heritage council 
and all that and cultural stands that could see their cultural activities. And this was the dangers, the, 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 the havocs that was infl inflicted on the African uh, uh, citizens in the past in terms of destabilizing us. These were all the gimmicks. This was all they, they crafted out in order to, to destroy our culture. I would say that we are pushing so strong, I must tell you, to see that all Africans collaborate, mostly their kingdoms all collaborate. But it's not been an easy thing, being that we are not at the moment sponsored by anybody. We are not sponsored by anybody. Uh, the government is aware of our existence. We have written several letters to AU and uh, very much in support of us, but not in terms of finances. The Pan-African are very much aware of us. I took a, a trip to Roger while he was the president of uh, Pan-Africa. And I have been in communication with Angelina Martins and all that of AU. So we keep pushing other collaborations to see how we can um, uh, empower our organization financially. Because it, it is said that if money is not backed up with action, then you have nothing. You cannot achieve as fast as you wish to do. But if money is there, it becomes ABC, very easy to achieve. So that's what we're facing at the moment. But collaborations are positive and they're, 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 they're very much anticipated. They're, they're coming faster. All right, that is good. That is in fact already good enough now in that there are some collaboration. It need to be there because otherwise it's going to be more challenging. Uh, can you be more specific on the on the countries or regions where you have uh, African kingdoms that are more uh, collaborative to swap uh, agenda? Uh, if you can maybe name some of them. Uh, yeah. All right, we have Gambia, we have Benin, we have uh, Nigeria, we have Ghana, Cameroon, we have Congo DLC, Central Africa, and we have Sierra Leone, we have Liberia, as, as many as them, South Africa, Zimbabwe, we, we have um, Namibia, we have also uh, Mozambique, and Botswana. We have all these people working with us. Thank you so much for that. All right, now, let, let's take a look at Nigeria, for example. When we say kingdom, I would refer it to maybe the like of uh, uh, Bini, the like of Sultan of Sokoto, the like of uh, uh, the Oyo kingdom, uh, that could maybe the, the, the presence today. Are you in communication with maybe, for example, the Obar of Benin? Are things like that. Is, that? is that the example that we are talking about here in terms of the African kingdom that you are working with? Yes, that's the example we're talking about. But I would tell you that being on top, I have my arms that are reaching out. Like, a, <coughs> excuse me, I mentioned the Dean of Ambassadors. Her name is Dr. Evelyn Uyo, and she is also a royalty. She is the one who is in charge in Nigeria. 
specifically as you have mentioned Nigeria. She is in charge in Nigeria and also the West Coastal borders of Africa. So she is right now talking to all the kings that you have mentioned, you know, and they speak to me in return. They, they bring reports. But right now, as I'm talking with you, she even went to uh, the, the, what do you call it? The Sultan, I think about a week ago, and she went again to Calabar now. She's in Calabar now, and she's traveling from Calabar to Enugu State. So they are, they are speedily moving, you know, in, into all these people you have mentioned, you know, and they in return report back to me. And some of them I speak to, uh, like uh, in the Southern region, I've spoken to even the Zulita in his family, the late Zulita in his family, the son is with us, the prince, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the Swaziland king, Mswati. Um, I have carried a personal visit to him some years back, and he is also part of us. So there are several regions here that are with us. Like I say, the challenge Africa has here is that um, most of the countries, their monarchs has been destabilized. And because it's been destabilized, it become a problem to coordinate that country without passing through the government again, because the government now holds their heritage councils, and that becomes a governmental thing which we are avoiding. Um, we are not parallel, we are not destabilizing the government system, like I said, but we want it to be pure and 100% cultural, traditional. And so countries that have no monarchs makes us to bridge that very, uh, what do you call this? Uh, decision that we have made earlier not to uh, involve the government in the run or affairs of Swa Federation before the, the traditional rulers are in, in agreement. But anyway, coming back to your question, not deviating, the people you have mentioned are the people we are meeting in Nigeria. Uh, there will be a program on the 24th of this, uh, 24th of this month which is uh, Africa Day. I will be celebrating Africa Day from South Africa here to other African countries and most ambassadors of African, of SWAF Federation in Africa will be raising their flags and making comments and we will have a lot of media release on that very day. So apparently the uh, Dean of Ambassadors is traveling all the states and also encouraging the other ambassadors from different Western borders to do the same and follow suit of what she's doing. When you were responding before, uh, you did mention the fact that in some countries there are no kingdom, whether in some other countries that are uh, this established kingdom, even though maybe in the composition of the states as we have it today, talking of the republics that we have today, uh, they are not actually uh, based on kingdom. Take an example of, a good example would be in Nigeria, uh, the, the British created as according to the history of the people that have been existing in those places. 
They just match the people together so it can be better for them to manage them. So when you are dealing with this complex uh, setup like this, how simple is it to, to have uh, an agreement at the end of the day so it doesn't cause conflict? I don't even know if that is possible to be avoided. Help me. Okay, uh, that's a very, very unique question. I must tell you, we've been having a whole lot of challenges in those countries that this has, this, uh, this stability has happened. It becomes um, a whole lot of stress because we then have to pass through the system we, we wished not to pass through from the beginning, which is going through the government. Because I keep saying in most of my in the past that uh, the government are the wife, while the kings are the husband. And so imagine where the, 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 the husband begin to take permission from the wife in existence or in the affairs of the home. It's very difficult. But still, what we do, since we want to carry everyone along, we still go through the rigorosity of their governmental rules and that that in those countries. For instance, I mentioned, uh, I gave example of Burundi and also is happening even in uh, Mozambique here. Even in Mozambique, they have no kingships that are in existence, but they recognize that they, this family was once a, a family of chieftaincy and uh, it's a family of, of royalty. So when we empire and get such, we do what we call restoration. Restoration, we recoronate someone from that family and then begin to operate with that person. But some places that are not easy or that have no traces anymore, and uh, even their generation, shame, what a shame. Do not even know what is a king. You tell them, you say, what is that? And then you begin to explain royalty that, oh, is that what you mean? Now go to Heritage Council. You see, those are the challenges we have. So we rely on their Heritage Councils. Uh, well, it is obvious, and I must tell you that government of such countries still recognize and understand that, no, their country should still have a cultural base. So they still establish their cultural and heritage uh, departments that people can consult. So we go through that. That's the only way. And how simple is that to be, to be put in place? Because I'm just trying to understand how the, you will manage to set up a system like that. Tell me if it is a simple thing to do. What, what are actually the technicality of able to set up a system like that and it should really work? All right, it is not, it is not very easy. Hence, I said it was one of the reasons why we then began to have our arms stretched. And our arms stretched becomes the ambassadors that we have uh, appointed. So like we have about seven ambassadors in Mozambique. So what we then did was to send them on errands to their different departments with some letter of introduction. And speedily they were able to get SWAF recognized in their countries 
and endorse with letters that they have sent back to us with, uh, from their heritage councils. And then we began to speak to the heritage councils and they, they delegated someone who is uh, cultural based or inclined to begin to talk to me or begin to talk to SWAF Federation. So that's how we expedite that. And in such situation, we then choose somebody from that country and coronate the person, a chief. As you know, a chief is made, a king is born. So you can coronate a chief, you know, and with my position as the paramount, the head and a king, I have the right, the audacity, the authority to coronate anyone who is, uh, who has done some royal jobs or royally related. All right, that is very interesting now. Now, what if somebody uh, contests your authority in this situation? Say maybe for example, the people we are referring to are in some part in Nigeria, no? Of course, when we say, okay, let me not use Nigeria now because probably I'm using it that too much. Say maybe in some place in Senegal or in Congo, and these people happen not to have a king, and they have have their system organized differently, and you want to have make them have a king, and they reject the king, and they reject, reject the kingship or uh, somebody to represent them in this sense. What are you going to do? No, they can reject the kingship, but they can reject the person that is nominated or the person that is now coronated for that position uh, with some reasons. And the reason would be that, no, we still will be able to identify the rightful family to be there. Then we, 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 we respect that because it has to be so. But in a situation whereby they are not able to recognize the family who was a royalty or who is supposed to be in that position, then they have nothing to do over that. The person actually we coronate will forcefully take his position because that's, that's how it is in terms of uh, uh, royalties. We don't have democracy, I'm sorry to say, in royal families. We have all autocratic royalties. And that is why they say the royals are, are arrogant, which is not true. We take the bull by the horn and we are lions. So we stand out to do what we have to do that benefits everyone. If I have answered your question, it is mandatory, you know, that the moment someone has been uh, delegated or coronated to a certain position, the subjects will have no option than to obey the, the, the traditional ruler who has positioned that person. And that is why uh, chieftaincy in Africa is acceptable from any part of Africa that gives you a chief, even if you're from uh, Mauritania and you were coronated in, in South Africa or in Zimbabwe, it is recognized that you are a chief because you are coronated by a royalty and you have you would have done some some uh, royal jobs before such position is is been uh, you know ordained on you so this is exactly how it is there there is not we have not anyway experienced any opposition i must tell you we have not experienced any opposition 
Because usually they come down to South Africa here. I coronate them and they go. And some of them, I coronate them over the, over the, the Zoom online. And their people will be gathered because before that time, we would have probably sent letters to the authorities in their country to contest it. And whereby there's nobody who says no, we go ahead and coronate that person. All right, this is very interesting now. What if people say they are not going, not, not, they are not reje rejecting the individual now, but they are rejecting the system itself, the system where, the system of kingship, basically. What if the people manage to organize themselves like that and say that this system of kingship is something of the past? And they don't want to do with that. They want to organize their system differently. Maybe uh, having a, a representative in terms of government. Because like you said, kingship is not about democracy. Um, it's about, it's actually uh, an autocratic system, the way you put it now, in that you will have a kind of a bloodline um, rulership. You don't become king just because you are the, you are the best person in town. You don't become king because you are the most intelligent person. You are either or not. So what if people reject this kind of system saying that, well, this is no, this is no longer the basis upon which we can uh, select ruler and have rulership and have representative in government or those who administer resources, people, and land. What are you going to do in those cases? I mean, what, is, what, you, what will happen in that situation? Because now a part of it is broken away. Can it still hold? Well, I could tell you that uh, it will definitely hold because uh, we are already dominating the whole of Africa. And uh, it will be a lost generation that will say, I don't want to trace my origin. Kinship is actually the origin of, 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 of Africa. That is our, our order of hierarchy. And there is no how it will be overruled. There's no how anybody can stand out and say, no, I don't want, you have no, you have no right or basis to say. In fact, you have, you have no audacity to alter such, you know? And because of that, it is definitely happening. It is happening autocratically, as you have mentioned, that's how our, our ways go in Africa, it is, it is definitely happening. There's no two ways about it. So it is either they, they follow suit or they fall out of it. Minority that falls out of it will not have any power to affect the majority. At the major time, as I'm speaking right now, it is a thing that can never, never in the history be stopped. There's no how. Uh, in the whole of Africa, you come into a house and say, no, we will no longer have a father, we will have a mother to rule the house. That's, that's exactly what the people will be doing when they say they wouldn't want kingship in their country. So it does not make sense. And I believe that every African country wishes, in fact, all the ones that I have approached and we have approached as on Swap Federation, are asking themselves, how did we fall out of royalty? How did we fall out of not having kingships in our country? No, this has to be restored. And they are more than willing when I say I am there to restore you. I am there to 
grand new, a chief of this village and that village, they become very happy. You know, most of them even want to uh, bribe me over paying me to make them a royalty, but it's not done. You know, you don't do it that way. You don't, you don't take money to put people in the authority of, of kingships and, and chiefs or chiefdoms. So answering your question, it will never, never, I repeat, and I said never, it will never be so. All right, all right, I like that. Now, uh, let, let's take the argument to a, a, a slightly different dimension. It's the same, no? Um, we are talking about this because we have an holy romance with the European who came to Africa and they distorted a process. Uh, that is why we end up where we end up in. But let's say we never really had this, uh, this brutal experience with the European who distorted African process. Do you think kingship would have continuously or perpetually remained the system of African people or at a point they would have also done what other people have done, where uh, they sort of form a different system, uh, which is no longer based on heredity this time, based on kingship, based on autocracy, as it also will be called. Do you think it is possible like that? Um, I could say this to you. There is no one who says, I'm climbing the tree, boil a hot water for me because I'm going to fall down. Nobody wishes to fall down from a tree. It's always going climbing the tree with positive mind. Why did I say that? In Africa, we never anticipated this. Had, had our forefathers anticipated this before the colonial rule, I'm sure they would have clinched up and make sure that it never happens. But Africa is a land flowing with milk and honey. And that was the reason why the colonial masters were able to perpetrate uh, their evils that they have done to destabilize the, the kingdoms of Africa. And of course, they know that when the kingdoms of Africa continue in leadership and in reign uh, with all countries, definitely they will be uh, destructed. They will never be allowed. They will be uh, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, havocs or that, will I say there will be a lot of challenges that would have come from Africans against them. So the best step and the gimmicks they took was to make sure that those countries are completely destabilized because that's where they started exhorting whatever they have took or taken from Africa. I won't say that it becomes a challenge again. Uh, we wouldn't have said that uh, the system would have continued only running the African kings, you know, if the Western world did not come in. We didn't know how. God has designed it himself. Maybe this is how he designed it, that a time shall come when the kingdoms shall be destabilized like they have done. But to me, I believe that it, 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 it wouldn't have happened if our forefathers had perceived or had, had gotten a foresight of clinching up our uh, leadership system 
with the kingships in Africa. It was going to be a greatest achievement. But I think they were too liberal. They were too liberal in those days where they allowed the Western world to um, come in and begin to uh, find the loopholes at which they can use against Africa, which one of the loopholes is to make sure that their kingdoms are destabilized. Th this is my take. All right. Uh, the African leaders, the African kingdoms or kings and ruler at the time didn't anticipate what was going to happen. So they played a game uh, where they, are, they were going to lose and they lost. Um, now, the people who dominated there are the European, who were not as, they were not as sophisticated as they are today compared to Africa. We are basically on the ground. We have nothing to stand on because we have been reduced to children. If at the time, because at the time the European encountered Africa, there were still kingdom. People were still having a lot of respect for their leadership based on kingship. There was still a lot of trust in the system, unlike what we have today. If at that time, uh, let me use your word for it, because Africa is a land flowing with milk and honey. The Europeans needed this, and for this, they did everything they, they could to destroy the kingship and implant what they wanted in the name of their system of government. If they succeeded then, why do you think now that they are more sophisticated in every respect compared to Africa? They will not destroy us again while we try to rebuild the same system that they have destroyed. Help me with that. No, they cannot. Why? Because they are aware that most Africans are now very much aware. Their eye opened, like uh, unlike before. Most Africans are learning. Right now, they know better than them. Whatever they think they know, that Africans know better than them. And Africans have had it all to the neck. They have had it all there and they are tired of such a dictatorship or such governments of siphoning what is in Africa. Hence, you have seen most rules that have come in now, even about the minings, that no more mining is monetization. And they brought in this system, we counter it with the order and all that. There have been a whole lot of Africans rising up from all region at this moment, speaking against uh, the, the, the rudy way of the Western world intervention into Africa, and also their, their way of, uh, you know, um, taking our things forcefully. Let me use uh, that word, taking our, our things forcefully without our permission, without our authority and they feel that they know better than us is no more happening so i am saying right now we have those who are more eyed open than before learned africans who are refusing to adhere to what has happened in the past and the diaspora coming back to africa uh, which of course were the the african descents who were also forcefully taken out for an unpaid level, are also standing strongly to see that what happened in the past no more happened now, which is, of course, the issue of slave trade. 
that happened in the past is no more going to have they are the workshops and all that and all that to do this. This is the consequences of what I am saying that we have at the present time we have a more lineage Africans. Okay, it is true that the Europeans are no longer <laughs> they are maybe using force to take the resources from Africa. Maybe that is because they don't longer need the force because if they have educated the people on how they want it to be done and the people are doing it the way they want it to be done, then there is no need to use force. No, what I mean is that maybe uh, these uh, uh, Africans you are referring to who are educated, they have been educated according to the style the Europeans wanted, so they cannot... They, they, they don't need to be angry because the system is basically set up according to them. Anyway, let, let, me, leave it, let me leave it there. Another thing I'm trying to understand now from the SWAF Federation and the resuscitation of Africa is how much uh, knowledge is being passed to the people about the value of their, of their land, of their culture, so that they will be able to uphold it and resist any opposition. Instead of simply try to maybe impose something on them, in the sense that those that are going to resist, of course, if they don't have a good information of what they even need to defend their, their land, their resources, their system of government and everything, then they can easily give it away. But the reason they will, they will defend it is if they understand what exactly they are defending. So from the point of view of SWAP Federation, are the people be educated enough to understand the value of African kingship? Absolutely, they do, because we are doing a whole lot of uh, awareness campaign in different countries. We're doing workshops, and we are organizing online workshops for several people who are asking different questions. And we... Uh, at the same time, like in Nigeria, for instance, we have uh, gotten lands being given to Swaf Federation by different kingdoms. And we want to use those lands to do what we call the Hall of Fames. What do we mean by Hall of Fames? Hall of Fames is uh, where we can have the pictures of the heroes of the local constituency, not just state level, uh, the local constituencies, the communities, the kingdoms, warriors in the past, who has seen to the existence of their community and war and community existence, uh, we keep their pictures in the Hall of Fames. Why are we doing all this? We're doing this to bring back in their mind that there are people who has fought for them in the past that needs to be embraced and they themselves should also do something symbolic according to what the past warriors have done. So uh, we are carrying on such workshops and we are also doing a whole lot of awareness campaign. We are doing several, we are organizing several symposiums to make sure that activities of such are in the mind of the young generation. I was thinking on, because now uh, African countries haven't gotten independence from uh, many colo European colonial system. Um, 
they believe that they have system, they have government. No, of course, we run election. We are free. Let's, let's call it like that. Let's say like that. Now, in 2022, what do you think the role of SWAF, what do you think is going to be the role of SWAF in the current African political setup? Is it going to replace the politics that we have today? where we elect leaders into office, or is it going to play a subordinate role of, in this system? Are we in the wake of a new political setup, reorganization of Africa, where we no longer need these uh, politics of democracy, or are we going to be missing all of them together? I'm not yet clear on that. The way it is, uh, we're going to be mixing all of them together, but we, with caution, we, we, we will have caution in our operations because we are not political and we are not interested in their politics. We are not even in any way going to get into politics. We are only uh, making sure that what our forefathers put in our hands does not go in vain. We make sure that we are uh, holding up to culture and tradition as custodians of culture and tradition in Africa. Otherwise, a time shall come when your child will not even know that certain things has existed in our African African uh, what do you call it way of life. But we we are standing there to make sure that they do not use the democracy, that's what I call it, not democracy. So in this sense, uh, the SWAF Federation, and of course uh, the system that is being proposed, do not really have the power to be able to enforce it because uh, we are going to see operate under the current system. And the current system have access to, to weapons, the military, the police, the law, the infrastructure, and everything the forces of cohesion and the SWAF Federation and what is proposing do not have those things. How do you, how are you able to demand something from a system like that? Well, like I said, um, in SWAF Federation, we are not inclined to war or become politicians. And we, we don't need all those weapons of mass destruction you know the weapons of mass destruction is not our intentions and uh, we but if you have people i repeat if you have people you have more than the weapon and you have more than wealth and if people listens to you which is our subjects listen to us then it becomes the weapon against them the weapon they are carrying cannot just come in and begin to kill people, no. If the people accept that the weapon should kill them, it kills them. If they do not accept, we go out in masses. And when we go out in masses, we condemn such actions and it will never take place. That is our force, that is our weapon. So in other ways, our weapon, our weapon, I repeat, and I stress on it, is the people the people of African descent and the, 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 the local constituencies and, and the root of Africa are our people and they are our power. 
And if they are our power in what we're doing, then obviously we have the best. It's not about weapon. It's not about weapon. All right. Th thank you so much for that. That is that is very clear and also very understanding. Now, uh, what would be your final statement here for for people who want to uh, maybe understand SWAF better? Of course, you already talked a lot about it, but to conclude it in your own way, what would be your final statement? Please go ahead. My final statement to all Africans is that we must all learn to come together at the right time. Time matters. Time, time is important. And the time is now. If we do not come together at this very point in time, then a lot could happen to us in the nearest future whereby all of us will be taken. It is appalling and very bad that uh, those who have money have no brain and those who have brain have no money. But it's, when you put these people together, they have formidable effort. In other words, I'm saying the rich Africans should come. Come and see what SWAF Federation is doing. Come and see how you could be uh, of importance with your expatriate, with your knowledge, with your money or whatever into developing the affairs of SWAF, developing or supporting the affairs of SWAF, supporting the mission of SWAF. The mission of SWAF is to resuscitate, revive, and restore the dignity of Africans. And above all, we are fighting for repatriation and restitution of the African descents. In other words, if we stand together and push for all this as Africans at this time, it's not about who owns this voice. It's not about who is this person from, where is he from, and what is he doing, and that. I must be the number one or number eight or the two or what. No, we don't do that in Swap Federation. Everybody is fighting for the development of Africa. We work together as a team, as a group. We do not say this person is the head, that is not the head. But then you must know in all representation, there must be a speaker. I am the speaker of SWAF Federation. And at this point in time, I am saying, come one, come all, join us and let us develop Africa together. Let us have a better Africa. Let's put back Africa. Let's put back Africa. Let us put it back together. Uhuru. Africa. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It has been a pleasure here. This will be another important lecture. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead everyone for. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode.